Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. Okay. 
it's um that was kind of a funny remark you made there. I can only handle so much crazy as long as I'm not alone. <laughs> can we quote you on that? <laughs> Sometimes the voices so, in my head get loud. <laughs> we have when they start overruling. We had our Gary Jules Mad World song to start us out because, I mean, just look at the news from the last week. It is a little bit mad. Oh. But we're not going to concern ourselves with everything because we would have a marathon and saying hello to guest 417. And there's Susie. Welcome. What was that? Somebody said something. I said okay, welcome. Okay, well. Oh, oh. I wondered what. I thought that might be you. Well, that's good. So today we have a, a very interesting show with um, Natasha, who is something to consider. And uh, she's <laughs> going to be talking about plagiarism and proper credit. And I think that's an interesting yeah. topic because uh, it flows along. I've always been interested in that and more creative commons, which I lean towards. And then we're going to have a view from the window of the cafe on the world and see what we see out there. They may just want to close the curtains or create a comment. That's true. And then we have uh, Susie Clevenger with Art Effects and how music and dance affect people with Alzheimer's, which is interesting because they're always coming up with uh, new medical research, new this, new that. And um, I think they've come up with something now, and I can't remember what it was. I should have written it down on my notepad um, because there is some good things going on medication-wide. And Kim is in the room. So we can Hi, see yeah. Hey, you guys. Nice to see you, hear you, be with you. And to give a little shout-out for Kim, she's doing some great things over with Indie Media Weekly with programming and information and a great group of people, you know. So uh, we got to get the word out and got to get it going. And I noticed that you've been spending a little bit of time on Current issues and events, Kim, and uh, I like that. And to get out there and get people to not only like but to share the information, so that others can see it. What do you think about mm-hmm. that, Kim? You like that? Well, yeah. I I've uh, since I started uh, my new show, I've been pretty busy with that. It takes a I'm pre-recording it, and so I'm putting it together in numerous pieces and scheduling uh, conversations with people. And uh, so that's been taking up quite a bit of time. But but um, as far as current events, I really haven't addressed anything like that you know, with my show until the show that's coming up this week. It's Tuesday at 1030 p.m. Eastern. And I basically um, was so upset by the events in Charleston that I put together uh, a special show for that. And it was just um, 
kind of uh, uh, a coincidence, I guess, that my guest for the show was Maurice Macaroni Bradford, who is a um, he's a rapper and a political activist out in California, and his music mm-hmm. is uh, all very uh, socially conscious. It's about uh, the class war and the drug war and uh, racial issues, inequality. And I spoke with him, I guess it was the day before the the, uh, terrible tragedy in Charleston. And uh, our conversation was basically to debut four new tracks off of his upcoming album, Propaganda 3. And it was, uh, we talked about how it's all connected, how, how everything that's happening um, you know, kind of has its roots in the same soil. So, so that was uh, kind of cathartic for me to be able to work on that show and put together some words of wisdom from, of course, Mac and um, MLK, JFK, and Alice Walker. Mm. So that's coming up this Tuesday. Sounds nice. good. We'll have Looking to, to give that. an ear, give a listen. Definitely. In- you know, as this week was going by, it was like, I can't believe, I cannot believe this. I mean, it's like, my comprehension is like, is this the future that we, we dreamed of 20 years ago? This is the future <laughs> that we created. And it's like, yeah, the, it's one, of the, one of the, one um, of the, the audio pieces that I have is, um, is JFK's speech in defense and support of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And uh, listening to that now, it's uh, and in light of the fact that many conservative lawmakers have been quite eager to attack that law and claim that it's no longer necessary. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and in light of that, his speech from 1963 was was very um, poignant and prophetic. So that's, that'll be on the show. Sounds like a good one coming down the way. And then mm. um, our something to consider with Natasha on uh, plagiarism. And uh, that's an interesting topic. And I think probably Kim has had lots of research involved in that. Right. Well, I uh, I don't really have too much of a problem with that over at Any Weekly because um, all of our contributors are people who um, pretty much share original thought. Uh, I don't the musicians. It's all uh, mainstream artists, but our indie artists are all uh, quite wonderful, and their music is is their own, and their words are their own. So. Fortunately, I haven't had too much of a problem with that with with my website and media company. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, so Natasha's topic, you know, spurred me on to go back into my Creative Commons, which is what I use, and a a lot of a lot of people um, who are featured on the Blue Sky Highway also like to have the Creative Commons because what it does, it gives the artist, whatever, who creates, the opportunity to have their work credited 
back to them. So they will see who creates this piece of art or that piece of music and this and the other thing. And it really does foster, in my opinion, greater communication and for all of us to see exactly or listen to what other people are doing. If, as I always say, we don't start sharing, um, we're going to be in some deep trouble because this materialistic I, me, it's all about me. Well, Blue Sky Highway is not about me. It's about the artists. And I think that's what the artists like because they're the ones that are featured. And I take a very, very low profile. So, you know, I'm not casting a, you know, a shadow and saying, hey, look at me, look at me. Um, but look at the artists, look what they're doing. And as you know, in indie media, um, there's a lot of wonderful people out there who need to be heard. I just discovered somebody, oh, about an hour ago on uh, SoundCloud. And that's a, a great pool. And I think I think I uh, favored it. Yeah, I did. I liked it. It's called Zen Kiss. Now, who could not want to listen to something like that? <laughs> yeah, well, fine. we have a we have a SoundCloud Indie Media Weekly too, and I will check that out and uh, go do the same. Yeah, the artist's name is Oriel, O R I E L I E L. Watcher. I'll go check. So, um, yeah, a little Zen Kiss there. Really nice. <laughs> so getting back on track, we seem to always weave off track a little bit, but that's okay. We're here to share and share alike. So, Natasha, how did you want to develop your plagiarism or proper credit? Um, well, I just um, I, I wrote a little piece here just reflecting on some of the things I've seen. I, I'm a big online reader, and I'm big on the networks. Uh, you may not see me commenting a whole lot, but I do like to share, and I do read a lot of the work that comes by on my timeline. So in keeping with that sense, I just uh, wanted to read a little piece that I wrote regarding plagiarism. And Dictionary.com defines plagiarism as an act or instance of using or closely imitating the language and thoughts of another author without authorization and the representation of that author's work as one's own as by not crediting the original author. It's a dirty word, and I mean, as for a good definition, I can't really find one. Uh, Good ideas promote better ideas, and so they should. And, you know, better ideas have to have a base, but you know, that base should be given its credit. More than once when I'm tumbling or Instagramming and Facebooking, I see works written by my peers and acquaintances that are being presented as someone else's, full-blown. Most recently, according to the profile, it was a 14-year-old who had a passion for writing and was seeking support and asking people to share her work so she would receive feedback and improve. The feedback on the post, which was a micro-poem, swiped from the page of a popular Australian Instagrammer, was swift and killing. Granted, she had traded out two words in the piece, but it didn't go unnoticed by the community. All too soon, the piece and the profile disappeared, but was there even a lesson learned? It was blatant, it was shameful, and terribly embarrassing. 
I felt bad, but I also felt frustrated. Not quite as frustrated as I was by the wildly popular self-proclaimed poet who wanted to do to his readers what spring does to the cherry blossoms. I politely asked if he was claiming this as his own, to which I received no response. But his highly intelligent readers swooned and shared and liked that particular post into the thousands. I am quite confident Naruto would be pleased to know his work would still be well-received. This particular piece I actually found offensive. It was an insult to my intelligence, let alone my reading list. The question I'm always left with, especially in regard to social media and the free and public sharing of our work, is, is it worth it? What sort of audience are we pandering to? What sort of communities are we building? With so many gray areas in relationship to copyright, source citing, user agreement, fine print, terms of use contracts, and other legal leads, do we even stand a chance? They tell us we own our content, bottom line. But they know there's a good chance when someone steals our Instagram photo for a gallery exhibition and sells it for $90,000, we're not going to take them to task. We can't take the platform that we shared it on to task. We agree to their terms of use. When we see a poem we sweat at weeks over presented as someone else's work, us and our readers might wage a social networking war against the thief, but really what good does it do? I'm certainly not going to engage in that manner. I'm already on to writing the next poem. It's up to all of us as creators and appreciators to cling steadfastly to our integrity, to give credit where due, to stay true to our creative vision, to not fall prey to like fests and ego trips. It's also our responsibility to see those coming up behind us do the same. Why did that young girl feel so comfortable making such a blatant play with someone else's words? Once again, there's something not right bubbling away under the surface. It's dark and it scares me. Call it a lack of respect, poor sportsmanship, just plain evil, it's reflecting on us all and not at all well. What what is it that makes, you know, I could never take something that Susie wrote and present it as my own. I mean, you may see similar ties in idea and thought, but to actually take somebody's words, switch out a the for an ah, and put your name on it. What makes people think that's okay? Hmm. Lots of things to Same think about. Same photos. It. Right? I've had so many photos presented as someone else's that, you know, were mine and were sourced, right? It's not like a, a Google image where the original source isn't even to be found. Susie just commented she had a family member plagiarize her work. Can you no. imagine? Yes, right. I did. It's I an did. absolute attitude. I had someone use uh, some of my poems, and it was exactly my my work, but they put their name on it. Oh my goodness! Like Susie will never and, see this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's you know, as an audience, just as a reader, how do you? You know, what's the right way to handle it when you see that somebody has blatantly taken someone else's work? I mean, I I don't want what some of the things that were being said to that young girl was just horrible. I mean, I I certainly don't know if that's the way to uh, take one to task. Well, Well, I think if they'd approached it with an intelligent manner, that's a different thing, but just to attack that that doesn't solve anything 
No, not at all. But we have a pretty blatant society out there where people have a lot of hubris, a lot of ego. Um, And from what I've been reading lately, there's a lot of this going on where people will find this or they'll find that. Um, A couple years ago, they had a college class busted on that very thing, taking other people's writings, you know, and presenting it as their own, you know. And and I'm sure we've all been in the situation where we've read something and it was like, wow, I could have said that, but I didn't. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Well, there's a recent story as well in relation to Cherie Mack, which, you know, she's a, a fairly well-respected contemporary poet who had to uh, pull a book because there was so much, uh, well, it was unintended mm-hmm. theft throughout it, <laughs> right? She issued a statement that it was unintended and that she should have sourced her information better. But, you know, there was lines taken from, you know, one of her peers that she, you know, worked with frequently. And she actually used them and published them in a book. Now, the the particular publisher is going to pull the book until they get it sorted, but there are publishers out there that wouldn't even do that. There's other cases where they're like, oh, well. So there's a degree of professionalism that, you know, has got to be maintained on the business side of things as well. Hmm. I'm just, you know... Wondering how much is really out there, how much of this plagiarism. I mean, is it more than we know, Natasha? Well, Jane Goodall, right? Oh. She was she was cited as having swiped from Wikipedia information. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know, right? These are well-respected people that are getting caught doing it. So, again, it's just that thing that's bubbling under the surface. What makes them think they're going to get away with it? Well, and and that's difficult, too, because, you know, in many programs, college programs, they have research components. And what your job is to do is to go out and research whatever, you know, you could find, you know. But then again, you know, we're looking at quoting the person, so-and-so said this. So there's a little bit of difference in there, I think, don't you, Natasha? Ah, somewhat, somewhat. Um, at the same time, it, it just it all boils down to credit, right? I mean, these these professionals, quote unquote, could have saved themselves a lot of grief just by applying the appropriate source. Mm-hmm. And it right? can I mean, be. It, 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 well, again, that's why I was using the Creative Commons. And if anybody wants to use that or look it up, it's https colon backslash backslash creative commons, C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-C-O-M-M-O-N-S dot org. And there are 882 million creative commons licenses, works, and counting. So it's been a big year for sharing. It's been a, a, according to what they say on Creative Commons. 
So the important thing about this license is there is no registration to use the Creative Commons licenses. Licensing a work is as simple as selecting which of the six licenses best meets your goals and then marking your work in some way so that others know that you have chosen to release the work under the creative terms of that license. So on my blog, I have the Creative Commons license for that. So you can find that. And in, uh, it's become very favorable because I don't mind anybody using any of my stuff, you know, but just say where it came from. So in 2006, there were 50 million common, Creative Commons. In 2010, there were 400 million. And in 2014, there were 882 million Creative Commons. And it's like, you know, I, I can see where certain people, such as artists and painters, and that will copyright theirs. Some are very picky, some, you know, and that's all right because that's their work. But, you know, just let us know what you want to do. Creative Commons has got you covered, according to what they say. So um, I don't know what the actual penalty is if you abrogate that, but who knows. But I think this was really uh, interesting and worthy to take a look at. Any opinions so far, Kim? Well... Uh, Indie Media Weekly is more or less of an aggregate site. So um, everything that comes through that belongs to someone else is basically an excerpt. So, like, for instance, uh, we have an agreement to share uh, things that come out at the creativenexus.blogspot.com via RSS feed to indiemediaweekly.com. And we get, I have it set up to not post the full post, only a certain amount of the post with a read more link. So um, that's uh, that's kind of how I do it. If, uh, you know, you and I personally agreed to do that, so we are talking to each other. And when that comes out over at IndieMediaWeekly.com, it's just a partial um part of your post and people have to click a read more link to go over to see the full uh, content and of course there is your um, usage licensing there and that question came to me too from somebody who I had uh, curated and put into the paper Lee our paper newspaper and they asked what mm-hmm. coverage on Paper Lee, which made for another fine question, and that may be found at https colon backslash backslash paper dot lee slash ip dot html. And it talks about Small Rivers, which is the producer of the paper. Uh and it's in another country. I, I'm not sure. I think it's in South America. But it says, Small Rivers respects the intellectual property rights of others and expects users of the service to do the same. Upon notice of an infringement, 
we may remove or disable access to such content. But that's really difficult because when you're curating, excuse me, curating, um, you're you're looking at such and such blogspot.com or such and such newsworthy.com. So it becomes a little tangly. But I think that in the best interest of getting the information out, intellectual property rights are committed by users of third-party websites. So as Natasha was saying, that can sure mess up your brain. <laughs> when you're, well, that's, when you're that's why I keep, it, I keep it simple, and nothing is curated at my website unless I have an express agreement with the owner of that material. Oh, and that's so that, that makes it a lot less complicated for me. That is what we and want. And again, it's just it's a respect for the artist and their work. And mm-hmm. that's what I, I find missing so much in the haphazard way things are done, right? It's just that. And again, it goes right back to society in general, a lack of respect for people and their place and where they're at. <laughs> well, a lot of it too, I think, has to do with this fast frenzy time that we're living in. Oh, we got to get this done. We got to get that done. And, you know, sometimes I think it's just kind of sloppy, you know, where something yeah. is put up, not checked. But it's like, uh, you know, how many tweets can you get or how many angels can stand on the top of a tweet, you know? <laughs> and I. <laughs> I ha- I haven't gotten the lowdown on what's going on with Twitter, but there seem to be some changes coming. And uh, I did try and research that, and I saw one thing, but I wasn't able to uh, reel it in. So maybe for next time, we will do that. They're t- going the way of Facebook, aren't they, with promoted posts? Oh, I am. I am really getting saturated with Facebook. Not so much Twitter, but if they're changing to what we think they're changing to, it will be. I do not go on social media to read commercials for insteps in people's shoes. Yeah. I don't. I don't go to find out what bubble gum is that. And you know, it's like I can hardly do anything, even with my email. I don't know if you all have the email situation where you're sitting there trying to read your email and things are popping up. Are you getting the pop-up oh, it, it, it's incredible. And what it yeah. means to the artist is, you know, you're you're starting to invest, you know, money just to be seen, right? Those those likes are starting to cost real dollars now, and those shares are starting to cost real money now. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see the plagiarism and the copyright. That's, that's got to take a hit as well because people are investing more than just their soul. They're actually starting to invest their dollars. Yeah. Right, I had to start. I started using Facebook promoted posts for my poetry because no one was seeing it. <laughs> well, I, I'm. I hear you, Natasha. I'm using it as well to promote shows, and um, I don't use it all the time. But uh, as far as me as a user of Facebook and Twitter, I don't. I don't. Well, for, for, first of all, I don't follow a lot of things that I'm not particularly interested in. But I also make use of the tools available with lists and um, in both Facebook and Twitter to um, construct lists that show me 
things in a categorized manner that I want to see and keep up with. So I don't really watch a unfiltered timeline. I watch the list that I curate for me specifically. And, and yes, I, I'm learning about those tools now and starting to get things cleaned up and starting to see what I want to see again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because it can become quite overwhelming if you're just in in the mainstream of, of timelines on social media sites. Well, I upgraded the paper Lee that we have. And supposedly, supposedly, it was supposed to eliminate some of the ads. Well, I noticed there's a couple flying around here or there. So it's like I'm going to, when I have a minute, I'm going to call them and find out. Okay. I thought when I upgraded to Pro that um, I wouldn't have this because, you know, who needs commercials about insteps? I mean, you know. And then now you'll look at some of these things that say advertisements. You know, is it too big for the space or you don't like it or whatever? And it's like it's a waster of time. But rather than have my screen get littered with shoes, I, uh, you know, have tried to opt out of that. But I'm going to try and opt out of more. So, Natasha, do you want to do a summation for us? Very good. Very um, good. I, I just want, you know, I, I think it's up to us in the communities we're creating to, you know, try to stymie this while we, while we can, right? It, it's, you can politely tell somebody that they shouldn't be doing something. You don't have to be mean. But, again, it's just a mutual respect for artists and the appreciator, right? I mean, as both, I've been incredibly offended by some of the actions. And once again, just use the manners your mama taught you. It's simple. Right. Give credit where due. And, you know, and it, like and share yeah. and promote what you enjoy. Oh, Susie just wrote a note. Okay. Thank you, Susie. We will use that. Uh, but, I'm uh, Ed Lock Plus. I have a and it cuts down on a lot of things when you're going through the internet trying to find things even on Facebook I don't get any advertising down the side of my uh, page when I'm on the computer at all right on I get suggestions you know you you see those but with all that advertising that runs along the side I don't get any of it oh I if I go to YouTube to watch videos on my computer I don't get any commercials I get the video nice Huh. So it's 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 a great tool, and it'll tell you how many blo- ads it's blocked in a different session and everything. Great. Well, we appreciate that information. We're going to do some of that ad block plusing here very soon. Well, here's something, um, you know, as we're kind of looking for our window in the world, uh, is a song that was very important to me, and... If you look at out the window of the world, you see a lot of stuff happening, and it's not all good. But uh, here's a song by Shoes called Why Can't We Live Together. See what happens.
Can't we live together? Isn't that the question of all time? So um, I was. Oh, I I cannot believe the things that I'm saying because I always think about 
years ago, and my mother said, well, what kind of future are you going to be living in? And we thought it was all going to be the Jetsons or something like that. But uh, <laughs> not quite. But I did, um, you know, do like I said, do a little research on Twitter. And um, I don't know. I didn't like the last change they did, but talking about social media, social media can be wonderful. It can be next to nirvana if it's used in a positive way. But what they're saying is that in recent weeks, and this is, I guess, what I saw, uh, Twitter has been testing and announcing, hinting at several Twitter timeline changes, which could drastically change the look of your feed. Each of these stories has been met with both dismay and excitement. I'm not excited, depending on where you look. While it's not clear what these changes tell us about Twitter's long-term strategy, they do tell us that our timelines will likely very soon start to look very different. Throughout the summer, several users have noted seeing tweets from people they didn't follow appearing in their timelines. These weren't retweets, but favorited messages from other people that they followed. Now, this is, this is a debatable area when we're talking about the favorite and the retweet. Because if you retweet a tweet, it means that your people or all those that are in connection with you are going to see this tweet. So what you're actually doing is you're increasing the amount of visibility for your tweet or whatever. Um, <clears throat> favorited messages, I don't know. It, it goes back to what I'm always talking about, the like, the favorite, I like it, so what? Uh, first, people who are careful about who they follow were upset to see random users appearing in their feed. I think I've seen some of those. Have any of you seen any strange yeah. people? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Second, many people treated their favorites as a means of bookmarking. Well, you can do that, I mean. Uh, or quietly acknowledging a mention to see those favorites put on display. What I use it for is to remember something. You know, I've got uh, 9,000 people in, there, in the pot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember who did this or if there was a, a tweet that I wanted to know. But... You know, from my experiences and putting up the tweets, if we retweet, that's getting the message out there. Wouldn't you say, Susie? You're a good retweeter. Yes. Because when I retweet, it enables people that that I follow or follow me to see things that they might not even be aware of if I didn't retweet it. It's an endorsement. Yes. Right. You're, right. And you're kind of putting your name behind it. I'm like, Roger, I'll use the favorite to save it. And I do like to review a lot of the stuff, right, rather than just a random retweet. I want to know what I'm retweeting. <laughs> right. But a lot of those people, you know, there's various and sundry reasons why people will do what they do on social media. The change on Twitter is clearly an effort by Twitter to open up the timeline. 
making it easier for people to discover other users based on interactions with the people they already follow. I don't know if I want that. And while this initial burst was only a test, it doesn't look good for the users who complained about the change. Mm. Twitter has actually formally changed its definition of timeline to accommodate this feature, which is not a feature to me. Their explanation of what's in your home timeline now includes the following. Additionally, when we identify a tweet, an account to follow, or other content that's popular or relevant, we may add it to your timeline. This means you will sometimes see tweets from accounts you don't follow. I don't want it. We select each tweet using a variety of signals, including how popular it is and how people in your network are interacting with it. Twitter's goal is to make your home timeline even more relevant and interesting. In other words, expect people you don't follow to have a growing place in your timeline. Um, well, again, like I was saying, I if you, if you look at my tweet deck, I have my home column, which is everything, the 757 people I'm following. And then next is a list I curated called The Daily, and those are only people that I want to know what they're doing on a daily basis. And then notifications, so I get notified of anything I'm involved with or tagged in. And then my own tweets and direct messages. And the the home timeline with everything, I just scan that occasionally. But that's not what I look at mostly. I look at my daily list and the other lists that I curate. So if Twitter ever uh, – almost used the F-bomb, ever messes with that, <laughs> with my list. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if they ever fuck with my list, then we've got a problem. They can do what yeah. they want with the timeline, because that's really nothing I can do about it. But uh, I highly recommend that you check into lists and how to use them, because it will make your experience on social media much better. I used to use lists more than I do now, but I'm thinking of going back since I've got so yeah, many I people can't. in Oh, you there. have to, to control, your, to control the content that you're seeing. That's Twitter's become a whole new thing for me since I've discovered the list. <laughs> well, my whole goal in, in doing Indie Media Weekly at all is to share things that I feel need to be promoted Um you know, that's my tagline is sharing and promoting and celebrating in the media. And uh, so the list is the only way that I can control what I'm trying to do on Twitter. Looks like I got a lot of cleanup work to do. <laughs> but uh, it can be very effective. But, you know, what I get and what I feel when – Twitter comes in with these changes, or Facebook for that matter, is that they're manipulating me. You know, if I'm happy camper, camping out with what I'm doing, and, you know, on the Follow Fridays and the Creative Wednesdays, it's not easy to pump them babies out. So if I start getting strange <laughs> strange people in there that are, you know, it's like, okay, you're, what are you doing in this Creative Wednesday? <laughs> Because you want to, if you can possibly remember, um, to 
to acknowledge the creative Follow Friday, people you want to recognize. But, you know, that brought me to the realization I need to go through and do a cleaning house, a cleaning of house, because it's, you know, I'm investing time in putting up those tweets and getting people acknowledged. You know, and this may sound like a materialistic viewpoint, but what do I get? Does that sound bad? No. No, no I know the time it takes. I, I've stopped it because of the time it takes, Roger. I, I I bow to you for keeping up with it. I know the work that you put into those lists, right, and those creative follows. It's, I bow to you. I do know the time. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a house clean in common, but <laughs> not for the regulars, you know, because you know I, I I know who's doing what, I know who's a shyster and who's not, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll just put up this nice little like, and he'll just latch onto it and promote me. No, <laughs> <laughs> give give and take, give and take. So it looks like. One of these days, we're going to wake up with a new Twitter. And uh, Well, I'm going to wake up with one in my home timeline, but the rest of the things that I do, uh, I don't think, uh, unless they're going to invade into your own private list creation, right. hopefully not. Um, but, yeah, I don't even, I treat my home timeline almost as a, an amusement uh, for uh when I'm just poking around looking for interesting things, but not not generally. I really don't look at it that much at all. Right. Well, the big secret is what is this all about? It's about money. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, what else? A percentage of U.S. user bases will be able to tap a buy button under tweets from selected partners. Doing so will take them to a separate screen where they could check out size and product information, enter shipping and payment details, and purchase the product mentioned in the tweet, which was kind of referenced in something I had heard on MSNBC or someplace like that, where they were talking about retail as shifting from actually going into Eddie Bowers to just simply tapping that new feature that would allow you to make purchases directly from your feed. But I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, it's like you can go for shoes and within a range of three sizes, you know, they're different. Well, when you do that, when you do that, Roger, when you hit that button, then you can expect to start to see ads from that same company over on Facebook. Uh, yeah. it, uh, they've got it now to where once you interact with a with a promoted whatever on any social media, it starts to show up in other places, which is kind of creepy. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Says so this is. They're watching. Yeah, this test was an early step in our building functionality, the new word functionality, into Twitter to make shopping from mobile devices. Convenient and yes, hopefully even fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question for you guys. Here's the big okay. question: If 
this happens to Twitter, and if it becomes invasive, and you cannot control it, you can't. You're not able to control it or stop it by using lists or whatever. Would you stay or would you go? Would, oh, would are are you addicted to Twitter enough that you'll stay or not? I'm full blown addicted. Full blown. No trouble admitting that. I would still be there, and I I will probably be one of the ones buying. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, no, I have a problem. Natasha. Oh, Natasha. Oh, man. Let me join you. Let me join you, Natasha, and say that I will still not be looking at that section very much, but it's very likely (laughs) that when I go to that home stream where all of the stuff is pouring through from every one of my people that I follow, it's possible that I might do it too because I've done it on Facebook. Yep. If there's something now, that, you I know, saying, I want. Never would, but <laughs> See, here's yeah, well, the hook. Here's the hook. I just want the choice. I want the choice to be able to block it if I don't want to see it or look at it if I do. That's really choices. Yeah. That's really. But users will get access to offers and merchandise they can't get anywhere else and can act on them uh-huh. right in the Twitter. Why now? Why in the next Oh, Natasha, Natasha, <laughs> Natasha, you're reaching for that button. I see you. <laughs> sellers, sellers will gain a new way to turn the direct relationship they build with their followers into sales. Oh, my goodness. What well, does this mean for your timeline? Well, Kim, oh, that wasn't in there. On its own, this shouldn't change too much about your feed. If you follow these partners, you might see the buy button. You might also see it in promoted tweets, which already get top billing in your feed. I haven't done a promoted tweet. As a, I've done the no. Facebook. Hmm. No. That, well, you know, said, uh, this is another uh, little caveat to all of this. There are uh, social media tools, applications, and I don't know if TweetDeck is one. I've not really looked into it. But um, there are uh, Hootsuite, uh, those types of things, and I don't know that they do it either. But I, And I haven't looked into it, but we may need to, uh, that will block any promoted activity whatsoever. And that could be, that could be something that we all need to check into a little more in the very near future. I think that's another topic for dissection. I mean discussion. (laughs) (laughs) They said with the Twitter changes, this could mean big changes in the future. Perhaps in only a few months, you'll see products people you follow have purchased. I don't want people seeing products I purchased in my feed. Maybe brands will be more attracted to the prospects of new kinds of access. We can only wait and see. Now, here's a question. If indeed we can press this tweet button and get an order automatically, doesn't that mean they have to have some of our credit card information? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got Amazon one click, you know. I mean, Depending on the company, you set it up once, and they have your information, and you can order with a click. Uh, Amazon does it. Um, I'm pretty sure 
uh, eBay, um, places like that. Amazon mm. one click almost ruined me. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh no! <laughs> It's oh, wonderful. No. Oh my goodness, man! I can just hear that clicking going on. Click, 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 click. <laughs> I gotta buy my books. Was that before or after you moved? <laughs> oh, I think I was probably one of the car. first ones to use it. You were? Did you get some? Well, you guys, I'm going to have to cruise out of here. I've got to go do some yard work. My significant other is like enough radio for the day, young woman. Okay. Well, say hello. Thanks for stopping by and and add you and adding you to our knowledge base. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Always nice to chat with you, Roger, and and good to talk to you again, Natasha, and good to meet you uh, on the air for the first time, Susie. Yes. Thanks. So yeah. you 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 can hear Susie with practicality and fairy tales coming up soon. Oh yeah, and I um I uh, will have you guys uh the show in uh, replay of course next Sunday on There you go. Weekly. And right. I I never miss I never miss an episode and oftentimes I uh, I listen while I'm uh I'm working and doing other things. So thanks for the uh the ability to listen on demand as well, guys. I appreciate that. Well, we're talking about media and everything that concerns us, so you definitely fill the bill. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for having me, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Thank you, Kim. Have a great day. You hey. too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Time for a little break here. And uh, Oh, did I lose two? No. It looks like still oh, here. Susie. Oh, okay. Still here. Oh, that was very strange. It, I thought I had like five or something like that, and two disappeared. Unless we had somebody from Hackers Anonymous in there. Huh. But let's let's listen to uh, practicality and fairy tales, shall we, Susie? Sure. Okay. Here we go. Part garage, part fairy tale rises from the gravel on a sleepy country road. It stands because a father's hands once kept crumbling wood from disappearing into dust. Warped boards, peeling paint, and broken window house memories of giggles in Greece. It was a magical place of hammer and nails, wrenches and bolts, shadows and secrets. Hide-and-seek marked its corners as mechanical rebirth stuttered from inside. Three blue-eyed girls saw wonder in each plank. Practicality saw only basic need. Years gathered to turn children into women who had to tell a father goodbye. The little garage in the Missouri countryside passed from their hands into another's. But if you put your ear to the walls, it is almost certain you will hear three little girls singing, ring around the rosy, while a whistle accompanies clanging steel.
Tristan D., Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, TD's Less Is More remix. Which brings us down to Susie. Yay! <laughs> Hello. There you go. It's all yours. Okay. Well, um, today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, music and dance, uh, its influence on people that have Alzheimer's. And my mother had Alzheimer's. And if you see the picture that's scrolling by in the little video presentation, that was actually my mother's birthday when she turned 80. And she had already, um, we didn't know until she had a heart attack at 79, that my father was seeing, because her sister had Alzheimer's, he was seeing things that gave him the conclusion that is what she she had, she was developing. And at in that picture, in that, at her 80th birthday, she had forgotten who my father was. Um, it was very traumatic um, because I remember she had a, I was there taking care of her after her heart surgery, and she did not recognize my father. She was adamant that was not her her husband, and it was oh, it was so difficult. But when he was dancing with her, um, it didn't matter that she didn't recognize him. She responded to the music that she remembered. And the song is kind of sad because it's uh, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain by Willie Nelson, but for some reason that was a song that connected her to a time and place. And while she was moving and dancing, um, she connected to the song and the the place, even though she did not know who was holding her. Um. And... um, that's before I even did any research. That was just personal observation of how that music reached her. And my uh, brother-in-law, one of my brother-in-laws, he would go through all kind of music from the 40s and whatever that my mother liked and make her CDs so that, you know, it could be played over and over for her. And um, it it's uh, amazing from doing the research how important... When we create, whether we write, we sing, we paint, um, whatever our art form is, we want to reach people. And um, and what great gift it is when you reach somebody that is so desperately lost that music yeah. and dance can reach them and give them periods and spots of life that if they normally, because of their disease, if no one's introducing him to it they they're totally lost i watched my mother you could just literally she didn't know me as her daughter but she knew me as a familiar face and she would ask me have you seen mom have you seen dad well i just said no because the you know she didn't know me but when they could be reached and go back to a place in their life where there was a memory that was happy that transformation is just amazing to watch and it's a gift to you to see it. So how special to create music and dance and to reach someone that is basically majority of the time unreachable. Yeah. So uh, in doing my research, I found a quote. It's by Immanuel Kant. He's a German philosopher. He called music the quickening art. And when you think of quickening, you think of like a pregnant woman, you, they feel those first moments of movement in the womb. And uh, quickening of, 
in a person that, say, with Alzheimer's, it begins to show up in their eyes and their body responds, just like earlier when I said I was tapping my toes to the music that was going on. They respond. They they have lost the ability to communicate in so many cases, and music and dance allows them communication. Um, this is this group that is, um, it's called... American Dance Therapy Association, and it has a picture. And in the picture, they are working with a, a person that has Alzheimer's. They have their hands up. They they have their hands lifted in, in movement. And it's just, to me, a joyful expression. And, you know, and they begin to move with the music. They, they have a sense... Um, my mother, as she was totally constantly seeking something she couldn't find, in those those moments when she was able to respond to music, she could communicate joy. She could go to a place in her memory. And um, uh, it says in this dance therapy that... Um, uh, they they it becomes a non-behavioral, uh, non-verbal behavior, and it becomes a primary way of communicating uh, because they, my mother began to lose ability to speak, where, uh, to articulate sentences. She could say a few words like, where's mom, where's dad, but she couldn't carry on a conversation. And these people, through dance and music, are carrying on a conversation with their body. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and it gives them a chance to um, speak. I, I, I know as I was moving just a while ago to tapping and whatever, um, I, I began to feel the joy just of movement. I was smiling, and I'm just here by myself listening. But uh, imagine them in a situation where they are in a group of people they can't speak to. And, there's a, and my mother had an element of fear in her eyes a lot. But when it, with the music, as they go around the circle, they begin to communicate with each other with, with smiles, with reaching out. And it, it's just an awesome thing. I know from my experience in seeing it, it's so vital for people that, you know, just think of you, you're erasing your present. You just keep erasing until you're like in my, my mother's instance, she's in 1940. That's where she is in her mind. She's erased back to then. And if you wow. take her back to the music of 1940, she she she's alive again. She she's at a place where her mind is, where her memory is. And it, and it's just and they also and another thing in order to facilitate this music therapy, there's another organization called Music and Memory. And they, um, it's an iPod. You you can either donate iPods or donate money to this. And they put music on the iPod that is familiar to these people from whatever stage in, the, in their their mind they might be. And it has um, on that website, Music and Memory, you may have seen this video, but it's an elderly man. He's sitting in his chair. He has Alzheimer's, dementia, 
and his head is just drooped down. He's unresponsive. People try to talk to him. And then they put earphones on his ears, plugged to an iPod with music he remembers. His eyes just literally sparkle. Mm-hmm. He begins to move with the music. He he becomes basically reanimated. And, you know, it's just, it's just so moving. And, um, and I'll, I'll put links up as soon as I'm finished on how you can get to these different organizations. But you can donate an iPod. You can donate music. You could even create your own um, music group. Say so you go to a nursing home and you want to have you want to donate to these different people and you want to go and sit with them and play their music for them, reanimate them. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to do that. And they explain to it how you can do that. And um, who are we if we can't give back, if we can't give life to someone else that is losing it? And, you know, so that's my personal experience with this makes it even more profound because I've seen it. And um, And a gift for someone who might just be entering those early stages with a parent or a loved one to know that, you know, that's, that's accessible. Yes, because it's so confusing. We didn't know the signs of Alzheimer's back with my mother. She was repeating stories over and over again, and we just thought, oh, there's Mama going off again. You know, she's just thought mm. that that's a sign of Alzheimer's. It's that constant repeating of a story. Mm. And um, my mother always had this agitation. She always was. And it became even more so with the disease. And if I had really known the extent of what this could do for her, just me, if I could have sat down with her with that iPod, if I could have sat down and played music and just been present with her as mm-hmm. she was back in 1940, what a gift it would have been to me. So how, someone that is just now entering this, as you said, Natasha, there is a comfort there in in being present with her or, her, mm-hmm. or your father in a time or your uncle or whoever it is in a time where they're alive and you're you're there with them in that moment through music through movement incredible and that goes to speak to you know the importance of our arts right and how important it is to foster that in our children so we can continue to to make these waves in a ton of communities and to see how it benefits and helps. I and yet, it's an incredible story. I get goosebumps at the thought of it. Um, no. Susie? Yes, go ahead. Did you happen to see uh, Still Alice with Juliana Moore? I haven't watched the movie yet. I want to, but a, a, a little bit of me is hesitant. But I am mm-hmm. going to watch it. She's done a remarkable job from what I hear. I haven't seen it either, but I think I would like to. And I, I think, you know, here here is another opportunity for research. And I can't put my finger on it, but I read somewhere where they have something now that really seriously helps with that. So I guess it will be revealed as time goes on. And... Uh, well, there's this one sentence in, from this uh, American Dance Therapy Association. It says, 
Disease that impairs memory also affects self-image and esteem. Persons with dementia often become depressed and frustrated by their decreased abilities. Ritualized group movements expressing mourning, frustration, and anger, in addition to joy and laughter, allow for the release of these emotions. And group Mm -hmm. bonding, fostering an atmosphere in which the elderly can regain a sense of self-worth and revitalization. And see, that really is art therapy. You know, there's so many different mediums of art, music, dance that can help uh, people. Um, and, you know, um, and I, we didn't do it, but and I might want to look into it, but maybe if for our mother, if we had put up um, pictures, older pictures, uh, you know, mm-hmm. back when her mind went to, those mm. might have been comforting to her. Yeah. That, you know, we, she had thing. pictures, you know, like when, uh, for instance, we would go visit her, and she, when she was out in the, when we were kids, when she was out doing errands or whatever, she always had got back to the house before we got off the school bus. She said she wanted to get back home uh for her babies, and she she was saying that when she had dementia, and mm. I just wondered if at the time if we had put pictures up uh, of at that period and and, and uh, of other things of that period, if it might have been comforting to her instead of oh. present things that she didn't identify with. Mm. And I it just now comes to me. I, I would have to do some research on that, see if that helps. You know, mm. it would be an interesting thing to think about well i'm sure there's a lot of people that are therapists that are doing different types of work but just think if we could take the money that we're spending on killing people in wars and devote it to health oh yes yes that's key but no if we could take the money that they're spending on it on becoming elected oh that's even worse can you imagine Oh, Can you imagine goodness. if that money could go uh, to something other than commercials and things that badger one another? If we could take yeah. this money and put it into um, actual actual things that would be beneficial in health and uh, nurturing our young people, and it would just be mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I don't know. I was watching cable yesterday, and it was on the... Uh, mm, Medieval times and the Dark Ages, we have not changed in a thousand years. No, no. Oh my God! I, it, in fact, it was so disturbing because they did horrendous things, just like we do, you know, to the enemy and to those people. But if we could go ahead and and change the path of humanity to being humane, I think we might have a chance. But there's a few of us to go around. I know. So, when you try to have intelligent conversations with differing opinions, yeah. it immediately wants to go to the attack mode. That's right. When you just want to sit down and say, that you know, this is how I came to my, you know, conclusions at this point, what directed me to here, and can we work within our, each of our parameters to come t- together to a consensus we can uh, we can work with because we have mm-hmm. to give and take and but we can't do that 
Yeah. No one wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. No one wants well, to here, lose. Here, no. <laughs> here we are coming up at the end of the hour. It's almost 3.30 in the afternoon. But I think we've had a lot of good information. If anybody is out there that uh, is interested in suggestions or comments, we're welcome to have that. And uh, you can reach us through the Creative Nexus, Nexus Cafe, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think it's time that we address things like this. And I want to thank Susie and Natasha for really doing some spectacular homework on subjects that are very, very important. I thought Susie was here. Oh, there it is. We have HTTPS colon backslash backslash musicandmemory.org. Wonderful. So we'll be getting together again in a couple weeks for some new topics and new things and making a difference in our little whisper in the world. And want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yes. Yeah, there there's you a go. lot of barbecues right now. <laughs> and for some reason, I just remembered Matthew, who helped promote us today and uh, give him a shout-out, Matthew Hatt. And, hey, Matthew Hatt. <laughs> check into Matthew's art. It's very interesting, very interesting. So I guess we'll go into a close now, right, ladies? Yes. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> everybody's everybody's tired now. <laughs> Nap time for everybody. But of course, it's about what uh, noonish or slightly afternoon, Susie. But where you are? It's two twenty-four. Oh, it's only an hour difference. No time for naps now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who says? <laughs> there you go. And there's another um, link that came up on USA Today, Story News National. And uh, we're going to close it up with The Secret Garden, theme song from The Secret Garden. So thank you again, Susie, Natasha. We'll see you and talk to you soon. Bye.